Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. First of all, a big fat Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah to all of you. I hope you have a terrific Christmas weekend, family, friends, good eats. And think about all the things on this planet and in America there is to be grateful for and what you can do to make sure they remain so. A worthy topic of discussion, but you have an absolutely special, terrific holiday. Because you know what? We all deserve it. So today's show will be the culmination of all these many prongs of PSYOPs, and we'll talk about some more too, and what their goals are, right? The three-pronged goal of the monster. Basically, a digital identity, a social credit score coupled with a carbon footprint scoring mechanism for each and every one of us. Oh, nice. And CBDC, or digital currency. And then, of course, I'm going to have the rest of the story, as it were. And then rat-a-tat-tat, a bunch of rat-a-tat-tat, because, man, it, forget Christmas. There is no Christmas out in the rat-a-tat-tat current event world. In this show, I'm going to kind of summarize. I'm going to recap. I'm going to kind of bring to a boil the last four shows, which was the history of PSYOPs. If you haven't listened to them, you really should, because it will tell you how your mind is being manipulated and targeted for a very specific purpose. And, you know, in the last few shows, we talked about, oh, elections, and we talked about this, and we talked about that. Specific outcomes that the elites who pulled the psychological trigger want to achieve at that time. But all of those are part of a much bigger picture. And today, we're going to examine where they're really going with all these incremental steps, or as they call it, nudges. But first, let's start off with our founder's quote. Very apropos, I think, for this show and as a culmination of the last four or five on PSYOPs. This is Thomas Paine, our good old buddy Thomas Paine. When all other rights are taken away, the right of rebellion is made perfect. Think about that. Let me tell you a little bit about the ranch story for this week. So we have been having these reports of this impending icy reach of Arctic air, 35 below before the wind, 70 below with the wind, descending on the mountains of Wyoming. And the drums have been beating and warning by all the weathermen and all the newscasters for, oh, at least four, five, six days. And, you know, to kind of get out ahead of it, we got hay out early. We made sure the water was open and flowing where the critters like to take their sips of liquid nourishment, and a host of other things, too. Got all the vehicles plugged in, tested the generators, and you know, for once, the weatherman was right. In fact, as I speak to you right now, the temperature is hovering at about 30 below. The wind hasn't yet kicked in, as they're forecasting it will, but when it does, and if it reaches the velocities, 50 miles an hour, that they're talking about, we will see 70 below wind chill factors. And it's kind of nice to know that kind of based on our gut instinct, based on the information at hand, we were able to take precautions 
and to get prepared while the weather was still relatively nice, you know, like in the teens and 20s, and everything should be a-okay. It's something to think about as we talk today about this coming storm that is being directed and manipulated your way, because a storm it is. This is the last great battle for humanity and for America that's shaping up. It's nothing less than that. So let's get started, shall we? We now know that there was a tremendous effort in the COVID matters to withhold information, feed misinformation, should we say motivate people through guilt and all sorts of associated psychology into taking the jabs, outright lies, safe and effective when they are anything but that, that it would stop transmission, it would stop getting the COVID disease, which we now, and they admit, is absolutely false. And we're seeing an uprising. We're seeing virtually nobody taking any more jabs. We're seeing Florida impanel a grand jury to go after criminal aspects of this. I think you'll see that elsewhere. We're seeing an absolute explosion, a nuclear explosion of lawsuits because these are not vaccines. That was kind of the fulcrum of the whole psyops, wasn't it? That these are vaccines and they're safe and effective. And if you take them, you can protect grandma. As we now know, they don't protect grandma and they don't protect you. And they have other sinister purposes. It's not the point of this show to go into that. There's other shows. Go to our COVID page on the rightsideradio.com. Probably one of the most complete on the web. You can read the pros and the cons and the experts from around the world. You can make your own determination. I have a lot of faith in my audience's ability to decipher, interpret, and think when presented with the facts, even if the facts are contained in opposing viewpoints. But there's a four-part series that's published by The Conservative Woman, and it was written by Stephen McMurray. That's going to be on the website, underneath the audio bar and in PSYOPs. You might have noticed that over the last five weeks, we've added that whole category of PSYOPs, and I would urge you to read those stories of the last four or five weeks which will give you great foundation and lots of texture to the shows I've been bringing you and to the show I'm going to bring you today. First of all, what they're doing is they are integrating fear relative to climate change. You know, the world's going to incinerate and there's too many people and, you know, we have to stop using fossil fuels and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what they don't tell you is that lots of the people behind this, besides being ideological zealots and a pompous overlords in their minds of the stupid masses, they're heavily invested in green energy deals and technology. Hmm, imagine that. There's a financial payoff for them if people go green, quote-unquote, and get off of oil. But the Stephen McMurray article, which really has four parts, and there'll be links to them on each, on each of the parts, is terrific. Money and ideology, the psychology to nudge the population, coercive COVID tactics that are now being used for the climate, quote-unquote, crisis narrative. Some of the people behind climate, (laughs) the climate nonsense, is Just Stop Oil. It's a website. Their main funding is the Climate Emergency Fund, which provides, I quote, a safe and legal means for donors to support disruptive protest. And the three founding members of this group, Eileen Getty, you know, the Getty oil family, Rory Kennedy, daughter of Senator Robert Kennedy, and philanthropist Trevor Nielsen, who also funds the Extinction Rebellion. Although most of the focus has been on the Gettys, it's really Nielsen I want to concentrate on just very briefly, just to give you an idea of the background of these people and as an example. So after his uh, stint at the university, he worked as an intern in the White House with Bill Clinton. Later, he worked for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 
as Director of Communications, and then he was Gates's personal spokesman. Nielsen was also a member of the Clinton Global Initiative, the Council of Foreign Relations. <laughs> How many times do we have to talk about that sinister group? And one of the Young Global Leaders for the World Economic Forum, you know, along with Trudeau from Canada and Macron from France and the New Zealand gal that uh, has run that country into the, t- into the ground and the Australian mucky mucks. Nielsen was the co-founder of Data, Debt Aid Trades Africa, with Bill Gates, Bono, and George Soros. And Nielsen founded the Global Philanthropy Group, oh, it sounds so nice, which was instrumental in forming the Make It Right Pack. And Nielsen formed investments, which are now called, by the way, Net Zero, with Howard Warren Buffett, the grandson of the billionaire Warren Buffett, who, by the way, was also on the board of the Gates Foundation. Net Zero, folks, happens to be an investment company specializing in renewable energy. Oh, what a surprise. There's many dark souls on the board of the Climate Emergency Fund. Uh, One of them I want to talk about because it ties in with the PSYOPs, and it ties in with what they did to us with COVID, which they are now not reformatting much, but should we say interchanging words, but doing the same exact thing. Her name is Margaret Klein Solomon, a clinical psychologist, and she has been involved with vulnerable people suffering high levels of stress and anxiety, including how to create stress and anxiety. Hmm. In her climate activist role, she's using her experience to frighten quote-unquote vulnerable people. She's the founder of an outfit called Climate Awakening, I quote her, quote, a project to unleash the power of climate emotions through scalable small group conversations, unquote. That site, by the way, is directed at children. And basically what it tells them is they should be terrified by the climate crisis and make sure that they spread that terror to other children. The whole thing is tailored to promote the climate alarmist agenda. And by the way, at the same time, they get the kind of side icing on the cake of disrupting the family because the kids are going to go to the folks and saying, why are you driving that SUV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually an outfit now called the Climate Psychology Alliance, and they are using their expertise in the field of psychology to nudge people. Boy, wait till we get into this nudge thing, the nudge unit in Britain. We're going there next. Into believing their worldview of climate-induced impending doom. We're all going to die, folks. And this group overtly states, I mean, they make no bones about it, quote, that facts aren't really persuading people that the climate crisis is real and that psychology needs to be used to pressure humans to become true believers, unquote. In fact, they think climate anxiety, just like all the folks who push the COVID nonsense, you know, as COVID anxiety, you know, you're all going to die. And if you don't take the jab, everybody else is going to eat the whole nine yards. Let me give you another quote. So deep down, this is a quote, climate anxiety is a good thing because it is needed to awaken people, but strong anxiety is not pleasant. And there, and if there is not enough climate action and psychological support, many forms of climate anxiety become problematic and there will be climate depression. And that's from Climate Anxiety, What You Need to Know by the Climate Psychology Alliance, the 13th of November, 2022. That's a month ago, folks. And this ties in to the corporate realm, right? We've talked about ESG, all these woke companies imposing their ideological beliefs and, of course, making a huge profit at the same time on the rest of the planet. 
in terms of their products and who they'll back and who they'll advertise with and how they distribute. And I, I mean, I go on and on and on. You'll see that this ties into the third prong we're going to talk about today, which is the social credit score. And the second prong, which is digital currency. And in terms of the ESG, these psychological folks are right on board coaching companies. Listen to this now and think about it if you are an employee somewhere. Coaching companies on how to induce this anxiety in their employees to get their employees, you know, get their minds right, as they said in Cool Hand Luke. Quote, now more than ever, companies need to remain agile as they transition towards sustainability. Our climate psychologists deliver workshops, coaching, psychological support, and behavioral change programs to foster containment and responsiveness in uncertain times. Discover the power of ethical nudges to deliver positive effects for your team and your company in the office and in the world. In Britain, just a month ago, the House of Lords, their Environment and Climate Change Committee, they published a report. Quote, in our hands, behavior change for climate and environmental goals. This is a dark document, folks. We're going to be talking about Britain because what you see there is coming here. In fact, it's in motion. And basically, the British government openly states that all aspects of our life need to be managed because we have to lessen the impact of climate change. And, I quote, that mind control techniques, very similar to the ones used to force the public into acquiescing to COVID lockdowns, needs to be used against the population, unquote. As George Orwell said, quote, in the time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act, unquote. This brings us to the next prong of this overreaching psyops. Or should we say the goal of the overreaching PSYOPs? In March, Biden announced a first whole of government. You know, that's like everybody putting their shoulders behind the wheel. Federal policy to, quote, address the risks and harness the potential benefits of cryptocurrencies. Hmm, well. <laughs> In addition, he directed the Commerce Department to establish a framework to help government agencies incorporate digital asset technologies in their policy, operational approaches, and research and development. Now, why would they do this? They would do this because, and you have heard swirling rumors, although nobody has pinpointed it for you, because the plan is to switch paper currency, the currency you're used to, your deposits in the banks, you name it, to digital currencies. And the digital currencies would be controlled by the governments, the United States, Britain, we're going to talk about them in just a moment because it's a foreshadow of what's going to happen here. New Zealand, Australia, Canada. I mean, I can go down the list. They're all headed in this direction, some really fast, some just fast. And why do they want digital currencies? What will the PSYOPs be behind that? Oh, we have to save the dollar. Well, let's think about that. What PSYOPs has created a failing dollar? Oh, you mean, oh, we need to spend this money? You know, the... Uh, the $13.2 trillion since 2020 that the federal government has printed and lobbed at the markets, creating inflation and economic instability, which of course is a psyops, right? None of this was necessary. It was done for a reason. And when you have a digital currency, and that currency is computerized and doled out, there's all sorts of things you can accomplish. Think about how much debt the United States has. I'm going to talk a little bit in the rat-a-tat-tat about this $1.7 trillion monstrosity omnibus bill. You know, another $1.7 trillion. That brings us up to over $15 trillion over two years. Think about that. What happens when you print lots of money? Ah, you have inflation. And each dollar is worth less. What you have 
more of is worth less. And what does that do? Well, that creates economic instability. It creates financial insecurity. It creates, in the words of the psychologists that I was telling you about, anxiety, financial anxiety. And you know, fear is a great motivator. Fear of being burned to the, to a crisp because of climate change, fear of tipping over because of COVID, fear of infecting grandma if you don't take the quote-unquote vaccine. I can go on down the list. And this is by a government who told you that there was no censorship, that they had no involvement with the big tech industries, that we now learn over the last three weeks, they directed to censor, to misinform, to disinform, to not inform. In fact, they had portals. If you're, you read the PSYOPs articles under PSYOPs on the rightsideradio.com, they had portals that these big tech companies, Twitter in this case, set up so that the alphabet agencies, the administration, state government, you know, like Arizona, Katie Hobbs, could go in and, you know, delete stuff or could request Twitter delete stuff, which they promptly did. I mean, there's a raft of emails. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the, shall we say, written communications between government and big tech about conservatives and elections and the jab and you name it. It was a big psyops. And this is to direct people, just as the economic instability is planned to coerce people into a digital currency. And a digital currency isn't like cash. A digital currency, folks, is under the complete thumb and control of the government. You can't put money in and you can't take money out without their approval. That's going to bring us to the third prong of the goal of this overreaching, overarching, expansive PSYOPs operation, which is a social credit score. But before we go there, let me give you an example of what digital currency can accomplish for the government besides control. We're going to talk about that. Think about reparations. I mean, I first brought that to you five years ago. Everybody laughed. Well, here we are. Okay, Minneapolis is studying and they're going to implement a reparations policy. Evanston, Illinois has studied and has already implemented, although a limited scale, reparations policy, 25000 per black homeowner. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts has a study going on what that state can do. And then let's take California as a big, for instance, just one of many. They just completed a 500-page study. (laughs) I'm I'm not making this up. I wish I was. And they concluded that um, the 2.5 million black folks in California each deserve roughly 223,000 and change reparations. To put this in context for you, that comes to $569 billion. The annual state budget in California, and they run at a deficit, is $512 billion. Where do you think they're going to get this money, folks? Hmm. You know, they only have two sources of revenue, right? Your pocketbook and your property. How many times have I said that? Now they can have a third source, currency conversion to digital. Let's take a for instance. Let's say you have $10,000 in the bank. And let's say there's a black guy or some favored class. You happen to be in an unfavored class. You're Asian, you're white, you know, you're a conservative. You didn't get vaccinated, which, by the way, ties into the whole COVID thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Any of these things which doesn't suit them, because remember, they're doing the algorithms. They're deciding what's good and bad. They are the curators of the system. And you don't even know what the algorithms are, right? But let's say in our example, to bring this home to you, you're a white guy, or you're an Asian guy, or you're a business owner, or you're a conservative, and you got $10,000 cash in the bank. And let's say you're a black guy, or some other favorite class, LBGTQ, I mean, whatever it happens to be. And you have $10,000 cash in the bank. And this conversion to digital happens. Hmm. You know, if you're not 
what they consider a nice guy, a compliant soul. Maybe the conversion you get for your $10,000 cash is $8,000 in digital tokens. And maybe the conversion that the favored class, whoever they happen to be, gets is, for their $10,000, is $12,000. Wow. Massive redistribution with the stroke of a pen, the purchase of millions of votes using your money, as they normally do, and you are under their thumb. And not only that, think about what they could do to reduce the debt of the United States. Wow, instead of $31 trillion, maybe it's down to $15 trillion because of all this redistribution of wealth, all this allocation of whose cash means what when converted to digital tokens. Do you see how this can work? And by the way, this redistribution, and I've talked about this in the past, isn't just between Americans and certain classes, favored and unfavored classes. It's also between America and the rest of the world. Think about the money that is being pumped into Ukraine. Think about the psyops in Ukraine. We're defending freedom. We're, de- we're helping this little country against this aggressor. When in reality, this is the war between the nationalist states, that's Russia, China, etc., and the globalist empire, right? Europe, the United States, etc. That's what's really going on here. The globalists are trying to squash nationalism. It has nothing to do with Ukraine, other than perhaps Ukraine has been a wonderful and corrupt laundering place for the elite for decades, and they'd like to keep it that way. Which brings us to the third prong, and that is a social credit score. What is a social credit score? You've heard talk about this. It's already mostly implemented in China. They've been working on it since the year 2000. They put it in place, oh, with COVID in 2020. Hmm, must have been a coincidence. And how does the social credit score work? Well, it's implemented through social media databases, and it can be implemented with through the government, and it can be implemented through private businesses. Think about all these woke corporations now going to the ESG, you know, the woke stuff. Well, you know, when you have a social credit score, they can decide whether or not they want to do business with you and to the extent they want to do business with you. And of course, with a social credit score and digital currency, the government can decide as another layer of control who and what and when you're going to do business with or if you're going to do business at all. Basically, in a social credit score, your network is your net worth. And there's all sorts of subtle psyops going on. For instance, there's influencer-based discount apps. If you have enough contacts and you have enough reach and you can get their message out for them, then you get all sorts of goodies. You get discounts on meals or products. And behavior will be affected by how somebody interacts with the environment, of course, (laughs) based on their algorithms, as curators. So social context in this regard has a really strong effect on how someone behaves. Ranking people low or high on a review system might, not in all cases, but in susceptible cases, ultimately affect how somebody's going to behave because of self-perceptions, comparative standing, interaction with others, and of course, the ability to travel, buy food, conduct business, own real estate, you name it. Let me give you another couple of examples of a, should we say, subtle social credit score. So a couple weeks ago, PayPal announced a partnership with the Southern Poverty Law Center, I mean, left, 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 to, quote, investigate the role of white supremacists and propagators of anti-government rhetoric, unquote. (laughs) Well, who determines that? And you heard about PayPal wanting to ding people $2,500 without their knowledge, without warning, and from their accounts, because uh, you did something they didn't like. This is the beginnings of the social credit score. This is also the beginnings of the control of money 
and this is ESG, corporate wokeism, at its highest level yet, although it's increasing everywhere. It will be particularly effective, by the way, on the younger crowd, right? Because it will affect their abilities to use Facebook and Twitter and Gmail and Uber and Amazon and PayPal and Venmo and other financial transaction systems, which the younger crowd relies on. Basically, between the companies and the government, a social credit system, when fully implemented, is they're going to be able to track your activities and give you corporate rewards for compliant behavior and government rewards like, you know, you can spend your diminished digital tokens. You know, the WHO, this is just a week ago, the WHO decided that they were going to call all the people who are not vaxxed in the world, never mind the science that's coming out, never mind the stats, never mind VAERS, never mind any of that, never mind the lawsuits, you name it, okay? Who cares? This is another psyops. But they called unvaccinated people quote, a major killing force globally, unquote. And, of course, everybody from Gates to who, you name it, is clamoring all of a sudden again for vaccine passports. Do you know why? Because that will be their hook into your digital identity, your social credit score. In other words, this is a melding of COVID and, as we're about to talk about, your carbon footprint and your social behavior and your compliancy. Because you, folks getting into the carbon part of this, right? The anxiety over the earth burning up we talked about. You're the carbon footprint they want to eliminate, right? Imagine you went to a gas station and you get a message on your phone after you pay for the gas. Quote, did you know that your purchase is equivalent to 200 kilograms of carbon? If you use public transport more, you'd save over half, unquote. And your social credit score would go up and you could spend more of their digital tokens. There's a unit in the UK government called the Nudge Unit. Remember, I've talked about that word a lot. And they are now working with banks to implement a social credit system in the UK. And it's disguised kind of as a carbon guilt trip. And by the way, this is being run by a notorious communist professor, Susan Michie. Her behavioral insight team. Oh, here we go again, right? And they have partnered with an outfit called Kogo, C-O-G-O. And that's a carbon footprint management product, which, quote, helps individuals and businesses to measure, reduce, and offset their impact on the climate, unquote. Oh, okay. And their mission statement is, quote, support hundreds of millions of individuals and businesses across the world to be more conscious of the impact of their spending on people and the planet, unquote. This gives you warm fuzzies, doesn't it? Koga has partnered, along with the communist professors, they've partnered with leading banks. This is how much this has progressed, folks. To transition customers into a low-carbon economy. NatWest, RBS, Coots, Westpac, Commonwealth Bank, Ulster Bank, TSB, MasterCard, Santander, the Cumberland, Kiwi Bank. This is just a few. And carbon footprint trackers are now embedded into all these banking apps. These banks analyze your monthly transactions... They match them to their industry categories, grocery, energy, transportation, and then your footprints are calculated by uh, multiplying how much you spend in certain categories. By the way, the Behavioral Insights team run by these communists in the UK, also known as the Nudge Unit, guess where, they, guess where else they were busy over the last few years? Oh yeah, they were behind the application of psychological and behavioral programming warfare on the people of UK having to do with COVID both the disease and the jab. 
And these banks are not talking about rewards. If you're a really good carbon person and otherwise compliant and docile, then you get a special green card, which allows you all sorts of perks, and you can spend like extra digital tokens on other types of goodies. Oh, gee, that's terrific, right? The carrot and the stick. And the Dutch. Let's take a look at another country. They're talking about changing their laws to monitor all transactions over 100 euros. Folks, that's like $130. So that they can police for net zero carbon compliance. Ooh. Here's a quote from, from the government over there. By programming CBDC, that's digital currency, money can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and what kind of use this money can be utilized. Unquote. And in Denmark, their new carbon footprint, out of the blue, totally illegal, has been applied to agricultural operations. And I told you a little bit about this last week. Uh, you know, the mainstream media isn't talking about it. Imagine that. 12,000 Danish farms are now targeted by the Danish government to be forcibly repurchased. Oh, I'm sure at a very fair price. 12,000 farms, folks. They've budgeted $36 billion to take away people's property because these local farmers can't afford, obviously, to comply with this draconian carbon mandate that's been placed on agriculture over there. Do you see how they start getting into real estate and ownership? Decide if you can own a house or where you can rent or where you can live and what you can do.
And now for the rest of the story on this Orwellian mess. If you think that this isn't happening, that this can't happen, that, oh, you know, people are just jumping up and down, conspiracy theory, whatever, I'll tell you what. Go to Family Safety, go to PSYOPs, watch the video of the attorney, the mom, who was turned down because of facial recognition. <laughs> I mean, you got to see this video. Accompanying her daughter and her Girl Scout group to Radio City Music Hall for a Christmas show. That'll make you think a little bit. And the other part of the rest of the story is what we can do about it. Is there any defense against the dark arts here, so to speak? Yes, there is. It's called solidarity. It's called the greatest word in the English language, the word no, saying it emphatically and acting on it. And it's called courage, the courage to stand for principle and belief. We're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks after the new year because, you know, sunshine always follows clouds. Actually, that should be sunshine always follows rain. But understand that we, collectively, all of us, who believe in freedom and individuality and limited government and the Constitution, we are the sunshine. And folks, we have to turn up the heat and we have to turn up the light. Now let's get into rat-a-tat-tat, shall we? Holy moly, do we have a lot to go over. All right, here we go. How about this? The discovery of a contract awarded by the U.S. Department of Defense to Labyrinth Global Health for COVID-19 research in November 2019. Oh, before the pandemic. It was part of a study called Biological Threat Reduction Program in Ukraine. And if you look at the USA Spending website, a government website, you'll see under the award search feature for this, a contract awarded by the DOD to Black & Veatch Special Projects Corp. for professional scientific and technical services on September 20th, 2012. And then, if you look further, you will find that on November 12th, 2019, COVID-19, by name, COVID-19, before the pandemic, before anybody supposedly knew about it, is under study by the DOD. And if you think that the PSYOPs is just America, folks, the Israeli Ministry of Health, the MOH, stated in front of an Israeli court that it was unable to locate the agreement it had signed with Pfizer, which was basically about sharing epidemiological information on coronavirus vaccines <laughs> in return for a supply of the vaccines. Oh, now they just can't find the documents. I, you know, it's kind of interesting how all this is happening because this is eerily similar to the saga that relates with Pfizer's agreement with the European Union. And Ursula von der Leyen's, oh yes, the head of the union, the, her claim of not being able to find the text that she exchanged with Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla to secure vaccines. You know, it seems like losing documents is going to become more and more prevalent as the lawsuits mount and as grand juries are impaneled to investigate this massive fraud and crime against humanity. And in good news, the NDAA, right, the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, to Republicans' credit, although they kind of blew it on the uh, omnibus bill, which we're going to discuss very briefly here in Rat-a-tat-tat, it's now sitting on the president's desk for signature. It was approved by the Senate 8311 a week ago Thursday. And guess what? It ends the vaccine mandate. However, believe it or not, Democrats would not vote with, with Republicans to reinstate the eight to 16,000 service members who were improperly let go out of the service because they refused to take the jab, you know, with back pay, etc. No, we don't want to treat them right. And this, of course, is in the face, <laughs> this is in the face of recruiting being down 25% in the armed forces for the year ending September 30th and the cost of 15K 
to bring in a new recruit and another fifty to seventy five thousand to train them for the new job in the military. I mean, we wouldn't want to save the American taxpayer money and treat our veterans right, would we? No. The ideology of fear and control through the mandate of the jab, which by the way, the Democrats weren't real happy about getting rid of, and which the Department of Defense Secretary, you know, Secretary of Dense Austin, despicable, and President Cadaver don't want to see go. We'll see if he signs that bill. And then we have a whistleblower by the name of Brooke Jackson. And guess what? Brooks Jackson is suing Pfizer. Okay, uh, this is a whistleblower from Pfizer, high ranking. And basically, the lawsuit alleges that Pfizer and its two of its contractors manipulated data and did other acts of fraud during Pfizer's COVID-19 clinical trials. These are the documents that the court ordered released over the course of a year, rather than the 75 years that they asked for. You know, no psyops going here, folks. Now, you're going to love this. Do you know what Pfizer's argument against the suit is? That it should be dismissed because the United States government knew of the wrongdoings in the clinical trials, but continued to do business with the vaccine maker. I am absolutely not, I wish I was, making that up. Under the False Claims Act, which is where this court case originates, there was a 2016 U.S. Supreme Court decision that expanded a legal principle known as materiality. And as interpreted by the Supreme Court, according to Pfizer, if the government continues to pay a contractor, despite the contractor's fraudulent activity, then the fraud is not considered material to the contract. Doesn't that just give you a warm warm fuzzy? Oh, and listen, the woke stuff, folks, the left's attack on words to change perceptions, to change ideas, to change beliefs, to originate in actions they want to see and beliefs that they want to see is not limited just to the left stuff. Believe it or not, the Cambridge Dictionary has now redefined the words man and woman. I mean, you can't make this up. A woman, according to the dictionary, is now, quote, an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. And of course, a man is, quote, an adult who lives and identifies as male, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Doesn't that just give you warm fuzzies? How's that for psyops, right? The manipulation of word, even in dictionaries, definitions. So right again to the psyops realm, right? And the control of information, misinformation, disinformation, lack of information, censorship, you name it. You know, Republican senators have been trying to get oversight over and gain insight into this uh, outrageous and supposedly defunct disinformation governance board that the Department of Homeland Security, our friend Mayorkas and Cadaver and crew, was trying to set up. And guess what? The administration is blocking them illegally and unconstitutionally at every step along the way. What are they scared of, right? Why are they not giving documents or giving documents which literally are 95% redacted to the senators, including Senator Grassley, who are investigating this? Is it possible that in the treasure trove of documents, there's zillions of documents like Elon Musk revealed at Twitter, but with Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and you name it, In other words, the whole, oh, standing down of the disinformation board was really a psyops to make you think it had gone away when, in fact, they're using their portals to take down, misinform, disinform, and conceal information on all the sources of information that Americans and people around the world rely on. I think that's probably a really good bet. 
In Arizona, wow, less than 1% of election fraud cases ever make it past a motion to dismiss. Two of Kerry Lake's 10 claims did. And guess what? The trial is literally, as I dictate this show in advance of Friday, the trial's going on right now, and what's coming out is absolutely gangbusters. Let me just give you one of them. Take a look at the election fraud collection of articles. There's a bunch of them because this trial's going on and what's coming out on ontheRightSideRadio.com, election fraud. But you'll love this. And remember what I told you? You can't even begin to control elections until you know how many votes were cast like an hour after polls closed at every single precinct because otherwise you can manufacture votes. There's no, like, top end, as we've seen. And guess what happened? Quote, Maricopa County admits they do not count ballots at vote centers, although required by state law. That's the 2019 Arizona Elections Procedures Manual. And here is the answer from Richter, right, who, along with Bill Gates, is one of the guys who put together a pack against Kerry Lake and the other Republicans that were running, even though they claim to be Republicans. He's on the stand in the courtroom. He's asked by Lake's attorney, quote, nobody knows how many ballots are in the bins when they arrive at MCTEC, this is the central counting point, correct? Correct, said Richter. And in the course of the questioning, okay, it came out the county has to know how many ballots they're responsible for. And it has to know by precinct. And it has to know immediately. And it has to match. Those numbers have to match the number of people who signed in on the voting list or the envelopes of the people that mailed theirs in or dropped them off at voting centers. Exactly what I've been telling you. And this is a huge admission in front of this court down in Arizona. We'll see where it goes. I'll be following it for you. And then, of course, we have the omnibus bill. I'm going to go into this in detail over the next several weeks. I'm not going to go into in detail here because it's not fully passed, although, (laughs) you know, unbelievable. 21 Republican senators voted with the Democrats for this 4,000-page, 4,000-page, $1.7 trillion spending act, just what we need for inflation and the economy, that they received 36 hours before their vote. Now, I'm sure they sat down and read the 4,000 pages. There's all sorts of things coming in about what's in that bill. I'm going to wait till the dust settles to bring those to you, but there's some gun control in there. There's nothing about border protection in there, although there is for five other foreign countries, $350 million for their borders, and over 4,500, give or take, earmarks, special interest expenditures, hundreds of billions of dollars, like $45 billion to Ukraine and $7.5 million to LGBTQ programs, and funding for the January 6th prosecution. Oh, well, that's just terrific. Anyway, I will bring you more on this boondoggle as soon as it's fleshed out and the dust, unfortunately, settles. Last but not least, our final rat-a-tat-tat before I bid you a final Merry Christmas. In another really interesting little psyops twist, you know that quick rat-a-tat-tat I brought you about the Department of Defense engaging this contractor prior to COVID-19 to study COVID-19? Well, guess what? You know, obviously people are no longer scared of COVID-19, and they're not scared enough to take the jab. So, John Hopkins University... (laughs) The World Health Organization, you know, our buddies, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, gee, big surprise, they've conducted a one-day catastrophic contagion exercise in Brussels, Belgium, you know, the capital of the EU. And uh, this mock exercise 
centers around a respiratory syndrome which targets children and carries a much higher fatality rate than the COVID-19 outbreak. Do you think that maybe they go, well, you know, if they're not scared about their own health anymore, maybe we can scare the bejesus out of them using their kids' health. It'll be kind of interesting to see what comes around. By the way, just as a little sidelight, <laughs> psyop sidelight, John Hopkins, the Bill Gates Foundation, and the WHO conducted another exercise in 2019. Oh, pre-COVID. It was dubbed Event 201. And guess what it simulated, folks? A global coronavirus pandemic that originated from animal to human transmission. Hmm, how does that all tie into the psyops that's being fed to us? And uh, once again, prior to anybody knowing about COVID-19, let me scratch my chinny-chin-chin here and think about what's wrong with this picture. We're out of time, folks. We're always out of time. I wish we had more. But a merry, merry, merry Christmas, a happy, happy, happy Hanukkah. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio next week, our year-end show. Don't miss it. By the way, make sure you take a look at the videos I've posted under Family Safety and Economy having to do with the housing mess that's going on, right? Sales down 35% November to November, 7% October to November, now for 10 months straight, the longest-running real estate series of statistics like that since 1999. These are great videos by noted economists and experts. Watch them on the rightsideradio.com, family safety, and economy. And now as we come into Christmas, particularly with the information I've brought you today, look in the mirror, repeat with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week, right before the new year. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive, and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.